and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns here with you as, oh, it was expected, but we finally have the fifth-year option news that everyone's been waiting for. And even though it technically happened a few days ago, we're here to react to it. What is up, Adam Johns? Hey, Adam. How, how many times was Ryan Pace asked about the fifth year option? Five, six, seven times? It was definitely five. It was a lot. And technically, yes. he still has not answered the question. I thought he answered actually- it when he traded for Nick Foles, but... You know, right. silly no. me for, you know, thinking that way. No, you're right. He he did answer it many, many times without actually answering it. Um, but there was no actual release that came out that said, hey, the Bears are declining this. It's just what happened. They didn't pick it up, right, Adam Johns? They did not officially pick it up, which means the deadline passes and Mitchell Trubisky enters 2020 in a full contract year. No surprise there. Because why risk $24 million on a guy you just brought in competition for anyway? Why risk injury for a guy who hasn't made it through two seasons without getting hurt? You know, there's a lot of things to digest here, my friend. You know, you know. Um, I don't, did you happen to watch Project 11 over the weekend? Because this was something I wanted to bring up in context of Mitch Trubisky. No, the, so uh, I'm going to completely rely on your Project 11 expertise right now. Yeah, so this was the uh, the E60 full-hour documentary on Alex Smith's injury that he suffered in Washington uh, in November of 2018. And, uh, I mean, it was really, really well done. And I got to give a shout-out to my guy, Dan Lindbergh, who is the director of uh, Project 11. I used to work with him at the Big Ten Network back in the day, and it just did an outstanding uh, outstanding work on this uh, with Stefania Bell. You know, we saw Alex Smith, John Z, in Washington back in September when the Bears played the Redskins, walked right by me. I had no idea they were in the process of filming this uh, documentary, and, it, and sure enough, that ended up in the... Uh, just him returning to the field that day was part of the documentary. But anyway, if you get a chance to watch it, watch it. What does this have to do with Mitch Trubisky? I couldn't help, Johns, as I'm watching this. And I actually, I watched it Friday night. I ended up watching it again Saturday morning with my wife because she's, you know, she likes this stuff with, um, you know, physical therapy and and, and rehab and stuff because she's an occupational therapist. And the the news about Mitch not getting his fifth year option and it ended up coming down later on Saturday, but. Um, a couple things. One, just in terms of the potential of 
figuring it out as a quarterback later in your career. There's many times Mitch Trubisky has been compared to Alex Smith for various reasons, and I couldn't help but watching this. You know, Alex Smith was far along the Mitch Trubisky path early on in his career and really was considered a bust. And the guy the 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 49ers should have drafted was Aaron Rodgers because that was the same year. Anyway, Jim Harbaugh comes in and he starts to figure it out and his career takes off. Not that he's a, you know, a perennial all pro or anything. You're going to be a a hall of famer, but Alex Smith suddenly figured it out. And then, uh, you know, had his best years in Kansas city though, once he got a change of scenery. So I couldn't get that out of my head a little bit watching it. Um, but then also the idea of a catastrophic injury to a quarterback and how it could just literally happen on any play. It looked like an innocent sack from J.J. Watt, and someone else was involved in it, and Alex Smith's leg just got caught the wrong way. And I will warn you, if you watch this documentary, there are insane, gruesome video (laughs) pictures of the leg. It's sometimes tough to watch, but I couldn't help but also watching this Johnson going... That could happen on any play. Why risk $24 million uh, given how Trubisky's played so far? Now, I did see some of the the pictures shared on social media. The pictures of his leg literally cut open where you could see the bone and and the infection that he had to deal with later. I do plan on watching the Alex Smith uh, documentary. Everybody says it's riveting television, so I I haven't made note of it. As soon as I get done, I still got to catch up. Like last night, I had to catch up on The Last Dance. That's how far behind I am. My TV wow. watching. Yes, yes, yes. So see, that's um, become full appointment. Can't miss Sunday night video. Oh, I me. wish I could get the kids to bed by eight o'clock, this so I could stay on, on time <laughs> with this. But it just doesn't work that way in the John's hold. You know, pandemic. The John's hold. Where we're going. The John John's household. John's. Yes, it's all we're you know full lockdown here. Um, just trying to get through every day, survive in advance, Adam. Um, but you're right. That is a great point. I, I, there's other examples, too, of guys getting hurt in practice. Teddy Bridgewater, didn't he suffer mm-hmm. like a, like another gruesome injury, um, a non-contact injury with the Vikings? Uh, Deshaun Watson also got hurt in practice, I believe, right? Tore his ACL. That's Was it his rookie true. year? Yes. Yeah. So the, there's examples of this happening. And uh, look, Mitch Trubisky's dealt with numerous uh, – numerous is not the right word to use, but he's dealt with various ailments since becoming the Bears' starting quarterback. And – with with the Bears' luck, we know you should not risk this type of thing, you know, when you're planning for your future. And you know the the other thing here, um, and, and this speaks to actually why there's no point in committing. I know people are getting frustrated, like why won't Ryan Pace answer this question at the end of the season and at the NFL Combine? You don't know, first of all, the CBA hadn't been figured out yet, so that was one reason. But you don't necessarily know what the numbers are all going to look like a year from now. What I'm talking about are the franchise tag numbers. Okay, so just because Mitch doesn't get his fifth-year option picked up doesn't mean that the Bears don't have tools at their disposal to keep him around in 2021 if all of a sudden Trubisky breaks out. And one interesting thing here, Johns, is... Given the uncertainty of this COVID-19 pandemic and the fact that even if a season does get played in its entirety with 16 games this fall, 
there's a pretty good chance we're not going to have fans in the stands for all 16 games, which means a loss of revenue, which means the salary cap could actually drop for the first time in a long time, depending on the financial impact of what happens here in the coming months. And if that happens, the franchise tag numbers go down, which theoretically means it could be at or potentially even lower and, and forgive me if I end up being a little bit wrong on this stuff, because we frankly just don't know. But you try to project this stuff out. The point being, the franchise tag number may not end up being much higher than what the fifth-year option number would have been had the Bears just gone ahead and picked it up. You spent a long time thinking about this, haven't you, my friend? Well, it's it's been out there a little bit and talked. I think Schefter talked about this a few weeks ago as a possibility. The point being, I, this had to be another factor that was taken into account, and another reason why it, unfortunately for Mitch Trubisky, is kind of working working against them. Honestly, I was surprised because of that that as many fifth year options were picked up around the league, except like in, in the top five picks. Miles Garrett's the only top five pick of that draft class. To get one, so it's kind of strange to, to see that happen. I know there's a lot of analysis out there. Mike Sando for the Athletic just did a great piece, looking at the teams that have picked up the the fifth year option the most. I, I think some teams just lucky with some other picks, to be honest with you, because um, you have regime changes to take into account for. Like this, still, the, the fifth year option goes back to like to Gabe Creamy, and that was obviously not a Ryan Pace pick. That was a failed pick by Jerry Angelo. So there's there's even another GM in between that, right? And, and Phil Emery. So I don't know how much continuity is there, but I, I'm enjoying the, the analysis that's out there. I, I just think with Trubisky, there are some other optics to consider as well. And, and I'm not just talking about publicly and like why you're supporting this guy. Everybody knows he, he, what, he, what he did last year, but like internally too, like everybody knows the, the question marks. Like everybody knows what they're actually seeing on tape at, at Hallis Hall. I think it it was seriously considered just like what would this look like if we rewarded because that's what it's going to be right it's a, it's a reward for a player like what yeah. would that look like internally here uh, and, and you've heard Ryan Pace like before when he's resigning or extending like an Akeem Hicks extending a Trezlano like these are guys that have worked hard have played well and we want to reward them he just said it with Eddie Jackson in a, in another sense that's the same thing like the same mindset applies here with Mr. Trubisky. And I don't think he could go down that path right now, especially with all the question marks that Mr. Trubisky, you know, has put out there because of last season, all the concerns that Matt Nagy may have had or does have. And of course, with the acquisition of, of Nick Foles, that's seems to like the, the Nick Foles thing to me, as soon as they brought him in, that was the sign that Mitch Trubisky's fifth year option was not going to be picked up. That Like the commitment was already made to Nick Foles. No question. This would have been a bigger story had the option been picked up. That that would have been a big story that we would spend probably this entire and, podcast And there are people talking. across the league that, like, there's people, like, who thought it was going to happen just because for, for some teams it's standard operating procedure because you want to protect your interest going future, like, in the future. But for all the things we just laid out, the injury concerns, the optics, the possibility of the, this, uh, the franchise tag being an option down the road, like, the Bears had a lot of... Uh, to, to weigh here, and I don't want to say they're right or wrong, but you could see why they didn't make this move for him. Now, the one thing about the franchise tag is you can only use um, one of those going forward. In the past, you used to be able to do the franchise and the transition tag, and now I believe going forward, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you can only use one of those uh, starting next offseason. So um, the reason why that might matter is not not like anybody's believing that Trubisky is going to earn the franchise tag in 2020, but I guess it's a possibility you need to prepare for. And to me, that just it maybe only moves the needle a little bit, but might make it a, uh, that much more imperative that you get the Allen Robinson extension done before the season because you don't want to be in a situation where you might have to choose between the two players to apply the franchise tag to uh, next winter. Right, right. Get the, the Robinson thing done. You know, I think, feel like we've talked about that. I think there's a lot of questions out there as to why it's not done at this point, but I, I, there's always weird moving pieces that come about with these negotiations. I, I think just in terms of the franchise tag being an option for Trubisky, that's almost like a dream come true situation for the Bears. Is it not to, to even be talking oh, about yeah. new money for the guy? That that's a dream come true. That means not only did he beat out Nick Foles, like like he, he beat out Nick Foles, won over John DeFilippo, won over Bill Lazor, won over Matt Nagy again, and then he played well to earn that new money. There could be even a playoff run in that discussion as well. That's a dream scenario for the Bears. Realistic. Look, there's a lot of crazy things that happen in the NFL. I don't know if it really is, to be honest with you. I think everybody is kind of looking as Nick Foles is the guy to beat right now, a quarterback. But just to have that discussion down the road, that means a lot of good things happen for the Chicago Bears in 2020. But, John's a, a, a good example of that is, is Kyle Fuller. You know, some people have brought that up because the Bears did this with Kyle Fuller. They did not pick up the fifth-year option. They had to use the transition tag on him. And, and probably at the end of it, Kyle Fuller got a, a better long-term deal than he otherwise would have gotten because the Packers were able to put down an offer sheet, jack up the price a little bit, and the Bears had to match uh, those terms. But I bet you if you ask the Bears do they regret that? They'd probably say no. And so some people have used that, especially in the national media, as an example of of a mistake the Bears made. But they put Kyle Fuller in a prove-it situation where they ended up, to, to your point, when, once they got to that point, they were happy that they were there. They were happy that they had a number one cornerback that they had to take care of because Kyle Fuller, revisionist history, was not nowhere near a number one cornerback going into that season, and he earned what he got. So did it cost the Bears a little bit extra in the end? Sure, but I don't think that they regret that contract at all. I don't think they regret how that all played out because they put Kyle Fuller in a position where he really had to go out and prove himself, and he responded. Boy, would the Bears love right now if Mitch Trubisky goes out in 2020 and does what Kyle Fuller did that season. Again, that's the dream. Hope, I don't know if, if you could use the word hope anymore. He's been in the league for three years, but that's the, the dream scenario for the Bears. It, it really is. That's why they're still willing to give him this other opportunity. And you're right, there are certain similarities between the Kyle Fuller situation and the Mitch Trubisky situation. Kyle Fuller, he was ripped by Vic Fangio. Remember that? Like He was ripped publicly yeah. at the podium by Vic Fangio on more than one occasion. Ryan Pace... At the lectern, openly questioning you know Kyle Fuller's place on this team. He had to win over a new staff. He had to win over a new GM. And I'm saying there, there's new staff members that Mitch Trubisky has to win over right now. Again, John T. Filippo, Bill Lazor, and again, Matt Nagy. So there are certain similarities. There's some injury concerns as well. We laid those out. But, yeah, dream. 
I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, we'll see it play out, but I, I'm interested to see if he can respond to this type of, I, I don't say adversity because I feel like it's a cliche being thrown around a lot right now, but like this, like, like now he's really got his back against the wall. You're really going to see what Mitch Trubisky is made of. All right, I want to get to uh, to Sean Gibson, who signed right after we got done with our podcast last week. Uh, we just had a conference call with him, but before we get to him, one quick quarterback note, because Andy Dalton signed over the weekend with the Dallas Cowboys, um, $7 million, $3 million guaranteed, and it's a one-year deal. He's basically going in there to be Dak Prescott's backup. And once again, everybody freaks out <laughs> because Andy Dalton, this is the same thing. We, I mean, it's like nobody listened to our podcast on Thursday. <laughs> I was very disappointed. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we, we tried to lay all this out for you why you should just stay relaxed. That People didn't because Andy Dalton, look, if Andy Dalton sticks around for that whole now, was his contract, was the $7 million with like in playing incentives, or is that just what he gets if he stays or if he's on the team? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know the details. I, okay. I, maybe I think I saw a tweet yesterday. Maybe it was from Schefter that it's basically a $3 million contract. Um, look, the Bears considered any of and they, they did. But in order to trade for him, you had to take some of that contract with him. And, and I don't know if he wanted to negotiate. Was it like $17 million bucks still left on his contract with the Bengals? Yeah, that, that's what it was before. Yeah. You're not, that would have been now. That would have been dumb. Yes, yes. So like, like, and and you know he's going to be released as well. No, no. And if we're ranking these guys, like the Bears rank these guys, Nick Foles just fit better because he knows the offense, or, or most of the offense. He knows Bill Lazor. He knows John D. Filippo, and he knows Matt Nagy. Andy Dalton's only got one out of those three. No, the the angst out there of this quarterback situation. I, I understand it. I, I really do because this is quarterback purgatory, and everybody hoped we were. Everybody hoped the Bears were out of it a couple of years ago, but here we are. You know, bemoaning the Cowboys' decision to sign Andy Dalton. That's where we are. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Nick Foles is better than Andy Dalton, and he is more accomplished. Um, I think there are some similarities. Mitch Trubisky was statistically better than Andy Dalton last year. Yeah. That's a fact. Look it up. Yeah. Andy Dalton got benched. I can't even... Now I'm forgetting who who was playing there. Boomer Esiason. (laughs) Wait, because I just went out and got Joe Burrow. (laughs) I'm like losing my mind here over what happened in, in Cincinnati last year. But anyway, Nick Foles is better. And you know, here's the one thing I think keep people keep forgetting. I can't believe it. I can't remember if we talked about this last week or not. But okay, there's a whole 21 million guaranteed for Nick Foles. Can we just bring up the fact that his cap hit this year is $5.3 million? Yeah. Like, it's not a bad cap hit. People forget that he restructured the contract. It's not that bad of a contract for a quarterback as accomplished as Nick Foles is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's phrased like it's $21 million this year, too. Like, he's that's what his contract is worth. Like, I understand that's, that's, right, what, it's that's worth, what I'm saying. But he's not getting paid. It's basically, what, three years, $24 million or something like that, and he's got an opportunity to get out of it if he plays well, which is, again, the dream scenario for the Bears, other than the Mitch Trubisky one. Like, the Bears would love to have that discussion. If Nick Foles leads them to the NFC Championship game, yes, let's talk about another contract, right? Like, you, you've done 
more than we thought you, you could do. You're proving everybody wrong. Here's some new money. I understand that. But to, to kind of like phrase it like he's getting $24 million or $21 million in just in, in this one year, that's incorrect. That, that's not how the contract is laid out whatsoever. Ryan Finley, by the way, was the uh, the quarterback that the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, that is actually the name. Of, that is actually the name of Pat's brother as well. Yes, who I met outside of the Arizona Cardinal Stadium on a beautiful 105 degree day in August, um, trying to walk Toasty. into the stadium. There, he somehow recognized me and said hi, and I thought it was Pat. Yes, yes. The one thing about twins. the fin- the, the one thing about the Finley twins, not only are they identical, they have the same voice inflection. So it completely throws you off. I've met Pat I've met Pat's brother at, at a bar and I thought there was like two of them talking the entire time, which okay, literally there are two of them talking, but <laughs> yes. Yes. There's our Pat Finley bit. Uh where where's our friend Patrick Finley? There we go, George. Yeah. Um I told Pat that when I got in the stadium that I was thoroughly freaked out, like actually freaked out because I thought I had just talked to him outside and then he somehow was in the stadium at the I mean, what? Cause you're right. It was like talking to Pat, but you weren't talking to Pat anyway. Um, okay. So in the end, don't freak out about Andy Dalton. Nothing to freak out about with the fifth year option. Is there anything else that we can calm people down about? Um, how about your power rankings real quick? You want to get to those yeah, first? Real quick, real quick. Since we're talking people okay. off okay. various ledges around the city of Chicago, go ahead. Well, I, I had a feeling this would be somewhat controversial. Um, I don't really know why, but you tell me what, you just tell me what your reaction is. So I did, I did power rankings, which I haven't done in a really long time, but it was sort of fun to do after the draft, just trying to get an idea how the NFL stacks up right now. And, you know, I start to get into number eight, number nine, number 10, and I haven't addressed the NFC North at all, which I don't think anyone thinks the NFC North's a bad division. In fact, I think most people think it's a tough division, but I'm still struggling to like, all right, which team here should be at this spot? Someone's got to make the playoffs. I mean, we're we're like at number ten here. Twelve teams make the playoffs. Well, fourteen make the playoffs now, but um, usually twelve in the past. And I'm like, I think the Bears are. Well, the more I look at it, the Bears are the favorite in the division right now. The Vikings had to make a ton of changes. I think they've done a really good job so far, but they've replaced a lot of veterans with rookies. So how quickly are those guys going to be able to contribute? I think the Vikings are going to be good in 2020, but I think they're going to need a year before they get back to you know a legitimate competitor uh, situation in 2021. And the Packers have done nothing this offseason. They did nothing in free agency. They lost more guys than they picked up. And their draft did not address anything in 2020. And I already thought at the end of 2019, they had the most unimpressive 13-3 and season I've ever seen. And they got blown out by the 49ers twice, including in the NFC Championship game, which kind of showed you the gap they really had to Super Bowl contention. I already thought they were a team worth re- that were, was going to regress in 2020. Anyway, I put the Bears at number 10, Johns. I think it surprised a lot of people. Because if you compare it to some of these other... 
power rankings that have been done nationally, I mean, the Bears are like 22nd, 23rd, 25th. I just don't see that. I don't see a way that they're worse of what they were last year. I have a few thoughts on this. So I was the company on Cap and Company yesterday for about 15 minutes in the morning. And literally almost everything you said, I laid out the cap just in terms of what the division is going to look like. I think people are underrating how much change has happened up in Minnesota, right? And here they are going all in Mm -hmm. on Kirk Cousins. And you and I have talked about this at length just in terms of what he is at the quarterback position and the limitations he seems to have in big games. Now you're like completely behind this guy to now win you some games while you try to rebuild a lot of the key areas of your defense. I I don't know if that's the right choice. They're going with it. I understand there's a lot of teams with quarterback discussions right now. Chicago is one of them, but Kirk Cousins, I don't know. It's a a whole other podcast for us, Adam. And then I, I feel like the Green Bay Packers have created an issue where there shouldn't be an issue. Look, and I'm all for drafting a quarterback like every year. But like you have this window open with this transcendent talent. And here you are like drafting his replacement after like he just took you to the NFC Championship game. Yes, you got blown up by the 49ers, but yes, there's some signs of him not being the same Aaron Rodgers, but like Come on, like give him a little bit more. Like go all in on him at least one more time. I'm sure the like Bears fans are happy about this process. I, I I know there's a lot of questions around the league about their process up there, but like they've created an issue for a young coach to deal with now privately and publicly. And I guarantee you, Adam, this is going to boil over at some point next year when they're not the same team. When Devontae Adams is hobbled, when Aaron Rodgers is having, you know, or he's having overthrows and he can't find the connection or the chemistry with those younger receivers again. It's going to happen. That's my prediction for 2020. There's going to be a boil over point with the Green Bay Packers. And then the Lions are just the Lions. I like what they did in the draft, to be honest with you, but they're just the the, the Lions. (laughs) Well, I I put it, I I, I said something similar in my power rankings, and I forget where exactly I had the Lions, somewhere around 20 probably, but, you know, I said, what's the ceiling though? What's the ceiling? Like, what would you say what is the ceiling for the Lions right now? Um, middle of the like record wise, top top nine and seven. That that's like that's that's their ceiling. Exactly. I said nine and seven is a ceiling. It's always the ceiling in Detroit. It's always the ceiling. <laughs> they, nine and seven is yeah. always the ceiling. And then you know Jim Caldwell does it twice and they fire him. So good luck there. Yes. yes. And, and you know, like if you follow the reports up there, you know Matt Patricia. What is he, you know, you know, ruffle the feathers quite well up there, you know, players, media, and whatnot. And look, the Bears' defense last year lost to Keem Hicks for what, literally almost the entire season. Danny Trevathan dislocated his elbow. You had Leonard Floyd underachieving. The Bears' defense should still be one of the best in the league. Look, there's always health concerns. I understand that. That's true for every team. There's depth concerns. That's true for every team. But if the Bears stay healthy for the most part, they should have a top five defense that keeps them literally in every single game. Can Nick Foles make up for that? I don't know. I mean, that's where the question mark for me is, like, what are you getting out of the quarterback position? And I think that's a serious concern. But I think that defense, even like last year, they stayed in games. People make make it out like the Bears went like 3-13 and last year. They went 8-8 eight and eight 
eight and eight, and they kept controversy out of the newspapers. I think there's some overreaction to what that twelve to four to eight and eight like really was for the Bears when you had so many issues going on and. You know, I would actually give him a little bit of credit for being able to stay above water and being competitive in the middle of the season. I'm I'm glad you just said that because I think that's what, because of the high expectations, that's what fans and and media are struggling to do with what happened in in 2019. They they did regress. There's no doubt about it, and they didn't live up to the Super Bowl expectations. No doubt about it. But I think when you actually examine how the season played out. And everything that went wrong, they regressed at quarterback. They lost to Keem Hicks, which, by the way, is it just does not get the attention it deserves. He's one of the most underrated players, if not the most underrated defensive player in the entire NFL, and they didn't have him. That made a huge difference. The Bears had no running game, and their schedule was tougher than it was in 2018. Some people have quibbled with me on that. I know the schedule didn't end up being as tough as it was supposed to be in 2019, but it was still tougher from the year before. Anyway, all those obstacles, like you said, it really could have fallen apart there. The locker room could have gone into a bad place. Matt Nagy held it together. And in the end, they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. With all that going wrong, that's why when... I'm not saying they're going to correct everything. In fact, I've been sitting here on this podcast questioning the running game a lot and how that's better. I don't know. We'll have to see. But I think Nick Foles is better. I think you get Akeem Hicks back better. Maybe there's some other injury. Sure. Is Khalil Mack going to produce more in 2020? I would think so. I would hope so. And to me, just like that alone, you're looking at a 10-win team. If just those, you know, very real, few realistic things come together, uh, they should at least be 10-6. and six, And that could be enough to win uh, the NFC North. Uh, maybe you'd want 11 wins. But anyway, the point is... Um, I just completely disagree with those who are putting the like ranking the Bears in the twenties, and I think they're right now a fringe playoff team that has a chance to get back in there. So, see, I'm not. I still probably have a few more concerns, or at least ones that I I don't think have been resolved to my complete liking yet. Like I still want to see how this quarterback situation plays out. I I, I really do. You kept the offensive line virtually the same. You you. you is Jimmy Graham really the answer at, at the Utah end? Like, there's still some concerns for me, but I still see them as, like, at worst, a middle-of-the-pack team who has a good defense that will keep you in every game, but with an offense that may not be able to win you some of those tight games. Like, that's what they were last year. Like, the defense kept you in games, and the offense just couldn't deliver. Can they fix those things offensively? Then you can start talking about this 8-8 eight and eight team you know, possibly sneaking out and getting a couple more wins and improving to 10 and 6. Sure. All right. A couple signings we need to get to before we get out of here. Uh, Two, two, I mean, two somewhat significant signings, I'd say, since we last talked to you guys last week. Um, But to Sean Gibson, it's safety. I mean, all of a sudden... That's a completely different situation, I feel like, than just pretty much handing the job to Dion Bush. Uh, and then Ted Ginn, too. I mean, I don't know how much Ted Ginn Jr. has left, but, you know, it, it's it's a guy with, who still looked pretty fast last year when he played against the Bears. Yeah, yeah. And, and these moves, too, have been used to criticize the Bears, which I don't, to be honest with you, I, I don't understand. I don't, I understand the Bears are in win-now mode. I understand that 
Ryan Pace may feel a bit desperate for some victories. Uh, I don't think his seat is as hot as some people really make it out to be, though. But these signings at this point in free agency are not only cheap, they improve competition, one, at, at, at receiver where you need speed. You need another injection of speed after losing Taylor Gabriel. I think Ted Ginn averaged, what, 14.1 yards you know, per reception last year, and he, like he had one of his best years in a long time. So, like the talent is still there, um, the affordability was there for the contract. I don't understand the angst over it. Like he may not even make the team, right? Like he's not guaranteed a roster spot. Um, yeah. Sean Gibson is a bit different. I feel like that's a steal at this point in free agency. You're looking at your new starting strong safety and good pair with, with Eddie Jackson, and again, affordable. This is a guy you looked at last year in free agency, and here he is coming back this year. Sure, there's some health concerns, but it fills a need that you had. A, you know, you didn't address safety at all in the draft. Here you are getting a proven playmaker to put next to um, Eddie Jackson. I like the move a lot, actually. With Ginn, who was the guy last year, uh, the veteran, the speedy veteran they signed to stretch the field, and he made all kinds of plays in camp? Oh, is it Marvin Jones? No, Marvin Jones. No, that's that's not right. Marvin no, Hall. but... Marvin Hall, Marvin, Marvin Hall, Hall Marvin who Hall. ended up going to Detroit. And didn't he catch a touchdown against the Bears, I want to say? He had some big play against the Bears this season. Anyway, that's why I kind of think Ginn is. Maybe he has a better, slightly better chance to make the team. But, you know, somebody like that, a veteran who has speed, who I thought still, you know, I thought he had a good camp and, and maybe would have made made the team anyway. Uh, but the Bears let him go. I mean, that that's kind of how I look at the Ted Ginn Jr. signing. I don't even really feel confident that he's going to make the team, but you had to bring somebody in to push these young guys and sort sort of, sort of show them the way because you can't let, to me, like you can't let Javon Wims and Riley Ridley feel too comfortable, even Anthony Miller to a certain extent. Like you got to have some depth there and somebody that they're saying, oh yeah, I know Ted Ginn Jr. This guy's done a lot in this league and I got to beat him out. Like that's so important in camp. Low risk. High reward. It's exactly what these moves are. This isn't even technically free agency. Like in my opinion, this is like fill out your roster, and the Bears may have found their starting strong safety. It may be a speed threat. Again, no guarantee Tegan makes the team, but given the right situation, maybe Matt Nagy finds something for him. You know, maybe he finds something with him with Patterson. You know, there's all sorts of things that need to play out offensively. I don't get the angst over it really at all. Yeah, I don't really understand it at all. And again, this is a this is another example of playing the system the right way because this is the round of free agency that happens after the comp pick deadline. So none of these signings affect compensatory picks. That's why a guy like Gibson was still on the market because teams were waiting and then the Bears went out and got him. Um, and I'd say he's the favorite to start there next to Eddie Jackson. By the way, Gibson usually wears number 39. That can't happen in Chicago with Eddie Jackson wearing number 39. So it sounded like, based on the conference call today, he's going to wear number 38. And uh, any takeaways from the Gibson conference call today, Johns? Uh, my biggest takeaway was that you were the lone main beat reporter who refused to turn his video on. Well, number one, I did turn my video on to ask, ask the question. Number two, I had to do it in my car because my house is full of e-learning. You can't have sorts of, you know, <laughs> epic playing in the background, you know, a three-year-old looking think, for milk. 
I think everything, anything goes at this point with this pandemic, yes. John. Yes, yes. So, you know, relax, everybody. You don't want to see me anyway. You know, I need a haircut, you know, number two. You know, I don't want to see it. Like, I was looking at all those pictures, everybody. You know, that, that's my one takeaway, you know, in, you know, what, like, seeing everybody in the Zoom call. You know, there's a few friends of ours that need to start shaving a bit more. You know, just because yes. you can't get a haircut yes. doesn't mean you can't shave the facial hair, guys. Come on, come on. But anyway, to Sean Gibson, he sounded like he's very motivated. I asked him about the being a veteran at this stage in his career, taking a one-year basically prove-it deal, and he seemed to take everything at heart, finding the right situation with the Bears, you know, playing with Eddie Jackson, playing, you know, behind Cleo Mack and Danny Trevathan, you know, and earning that next contract because he's a proud player. He thought he got that contract last year with the Texans. Obviously, he got released after one year, even though it was a three-year contract. We know all those things play out. So my general takeaway beyond the facial hair of all leagues is that Deshaun Gibson sounds very motivated to prove that he could still be a playmaker in this league. By the way, you can you can give yourself a haircut. I did it last week. It's possible. Well, I, you need to have the clippers. Yes, yes. So my wife... But I do have those. Yes, my, my, my beautiful wife gave us all haircuts, me and my sons, the other day. And yeah, you know, for the first haircut attempt, not bad, but... Yeah, you don't want to see what, what kind of happened in the back here. So we'll, we'll hide that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. No, no I no. want to see it. She's probably listening uh, right now thinking she's going to shave my head later. So yeah, I'm in the doghouse. Yikes. No, I just I just did the sides in the back. It didn't touch the top. It's getting a little a uh, little long up there, but uh I thought we did a we did an okay job and I got an assist from the wife too just to make sure I didn't screw up the back, which it sounds like you did. Yes. Confirmed. Okay. <laughs> Sources confirmed. I confirmed. I want to see a picture of that. All right, uh I guess we should get out of here. Johnsy, good stuff. Um Hey, next time you we do a power probably, rankings, just put them number one yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, right. I got all kinds of people coming at me. And then you do that like the 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 gif of the dog in the burning house. Yeah, put that with it too. Yeah, Let's see what happens. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, are we back on Thursday? We're gonna do an episode Thursday. I think so. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back for you guys. Maybe we got Q- more. Well, to I do. think a Q and A. I think we're we're overdue for a good Q and A episode. That's a good idea. We should do that. Uh, follow us on Twitter. In the meantime, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. Plenty of fire and hot takes there today. Mainly in response to me, but okay. Uh, Adam Johns, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Maybe he'll tweet out a photo of the back of his head. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Yes. And uh, in the meantime, you can read us at NBCSportsChicago.com. And on The Athletic, where there's plenty of good content up. You should be subscribed there. Go do it. Theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. All right. See ya. Talk to you on Thursday. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley?